And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Superflake Podcast, your Fokert the Youngian NBA podcast, because politicians are just silly. That's just the way it is. Um, welcome, everybody. It's your host, Joe Borelli, and I'm coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn. It's Monday, February 27th, 2017, and we're almost through February, man. We're getting there. We're getting there. I mean, you know, the sad thing is like NBA basketball will soon be over. I mean, in another few months, we got plenty of time to worry. But the glorious thing is, it's almost spring. We got like a month until spring. Uh, okay, that's exci- That's as excited as I've been all day long. Um, you guys can follow along the with the show on Twitter at SuperFlightPod. You can follow me personally at Joe Borelli. You can, um, let's see, email the show at thesuperflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen on Stitcher and Google Play and iTunes and at abpn.com where you can click and subscribe to the show at the Almighty Baller. Uh, as this show is now a part of the Almighty Baller, it has been for a while now, part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Um, so you can go over there, check out the show, check out a bunch of shows and, and see what you think and listen along and enjoy because there's a lot of really good basketball talk over there. If you're a diehard fan of the NBA, like all of us that are doing this are, you should definitely go check it out. Uh, what else? Yeah. So I don't think I'm going to do a whole long thing tonight because frankly, I'm kind of tired. And, um, yeah, and I had an extra long talk with Dan Morang today from Blazers Edge and Trailing Blazers on the ABPN. Uh, and we, we talked all a lot about the Blazers and what's up and down with them and what they should do for the season. And we talked a little bit about the Sixers trade and my disgust with the front office. And, yeah, I think that's about it. So I'm going to cut this short. This is all about basketball tonight. Sorry. Cats. Sorry, guys and gals. Um, no. All right. You want a quick story? I'll give you a quick story. Here, let me tell you a little bit about the person I am. So I'm, I went out for a run today. I go out and I'm, I'm starting to run. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a quarter mile into my run. I get up to Broadway and I take a left and there's this man who has fallen on the ground and he's got his cane laying on the ground and he fell down and he couldn't get up and he's just laying there and he looks like he's in pain. And I'm like, oh crap. So I stopped. And I was like, can I help you up? Can I do anything? Because listen, I've, I've run past people before in the past where I just was afraid to say anything or do anything. I didn't know what I could do. So, and there were other people around. Um, I also actually, I should not be so hard on myself because this story I'm going to tell you ultimately ends up me being a doofus. But there was once a time when I found a man uh, blood in, bludgeoned by, in the head, bleeding outside of a, a liquor store. And um, there was a group of people, people gathered around and I, I you know, made somebody run and grab a cloth and I made sure somebody called the ambulance and I made sure the guy was okay. It wasn't just me. There was a whole bunch of us, but like, I think I took charge because nobody knew what to do. So that was my shining moment. But normally I'm like, Oh, 
I want to run away from things because I'm a coward. So, <laughs> so this time I saw this man. And I was like, well, there's no way I can stop. I have to. I have to get better as a person. If the ultimate goal of of life is to become better at this before you go, I'm trying. I'm trying to be better at life. I'm trying to be a more thoughtful, caring person. Um, and this time I didn't have the have the inclination to run away. I just I was like, I got to stop and help this guy. So I stopped and I helped him. And another guy ran up and helped him and he grabbed one arm and I grabbed the other and we we lifted him up and we I grabbed his cane and I gave it to him and we're like, are you OK? Are you OK? And I handed him his cane and he's like still very wobbly. And then we're standing right next to a gate, a fence. And I was like, well, grab onto the fence, hang tight. And, and he's like, OK, OK. And I was like, you're OK, right? And he's like, yeah. And I ran and I ran away. I, I went continued on with my run and about three blocks away I was thinking wow I should get a pat on the back for that I'm such a good Samaritan and then it instantly occurred to me you dumbass why didn't you see him to where he was going the guy obviously needed help he obviously needed some attendance and I'm kicking myself for this since so the point of my story is just that um, if there's a good thing I'll do if there's anything good I do I'll find the bad in it because that's just kind of the guy, the kind of guy I am. I should have done more. Um, don't be a Joe Borelli. If you see somebody who fell down and they can't get up, help them up and then help them get where they're going. Unlike my dumb self. Uh, I feel horrible about this. I hope the man found his way. And uh, yeah, I hope he was okay. <laughs> I should have stuck around and done more. If this makes you think that I'm a bad person, um, well, you're not alone. You and me both. Um, you feel free to tweet at me what a dummy I am. But um, yeah, I didn't mean it. I didn't do it on purpose. Anyway, I have all kinds of adventures when I go for runs. I should tell you guys about them sometimes. Uh, it's crazy stuff, the things you'll see in New York. That being said, I am going to go skip this part. And uh, yeah, I'm going to cut this short. And let's talk to Dan Rang. So right after this commercial message, we'll be right back. Today's sponsor of the Super Flake Podcast is GlassesUSA.com, where you can get quality prescription glasses at up to 70% off retail price. GlassesUSA.com was created with one simple belief, eyewear shouldn't break the bank, and they're able to offer these incredibly low prices by cutting out the middleman and bringing your glasses directly to you. At GlassesUSA.com, you can choose from a huge selection of frames in more than 2,500 different styles, from in-house brands such as Muse and Amelia E, to designer brands like Ray-Ban, Oakley, Adidas, Armani, and more. GlassesUSA.com is the only website you'll ever need to see again. Get it? Need to see again? Forget it. Go to GlassesUSA.com and you can try on any pair of glasses using their virtual mirror feature by simply uploading a photo from your phone or computer or importing from Facebook. As a man who's half-blind myself, I tried the virtual mirror feature and it couldn't be easier. The virtual mirror has an alignment tool so the glasses will look exactly like they look on your face. You just point, click, align, and you'll know exactly how the frames will look before you ever purchase and as an Almighty Baller listener, you can go to GlassesUSA.com now and enter promo code ALMIGHTY to get 55% off of any pair of glasses at checkout. That's promo code A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y and get 55% off of any pair of glasses at checkout. And now back to the show. All right, we're on. So welcome to the Superfly, super, super Flight. Let me try that again. Welcome to the Super Flight Podcast, Dan. <laughs> why don't you, uh, Good to be here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, um, why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners and tell them where you can be found and all that stuff. Uh, my name is Dan Morang. I am the analytics guy, staff writer, 
dude extraordinaire for Blazers Edge. Uh, I've been covering the Blazers now for about two and a half, three years. Um, do plenty of podcast work, radio work, and uh, all around media stuff out here in the Portland area covering the Blazers. So also, also be remiss if I didn't mention that I also have a podcast on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network at Trailing Blazers. You can find me on Twitter at Trailing Blazers and at D Meringue on Twitter as well. So I'm kind of everywhere in that right now as far as the Blazers are concerned. Awesome. Yeah, you're all over the place. Um, did I just lose my volume? Sorry, I'm having some difficulties today. Oh, it's all good. It's the wonders of technology. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gotta love it. I, You know, I can cut this out. Actually, I say that every podcast, whenever I'm on with somebody, I'm like, I'm just going to cut this out. And I never do because, well, I'm lazy. No, no, it's not just that. It's just it, it always ends up being better in the long run. You try to make everything perfect and you're just like, eh, this isn't going to work. I can't even tell you how many times I've knocked over a glass or had yeah. a dog walk in or something just random. You know, it's like. Sometimes I'm in a studio and it's a real easy, nice, controlled environment and stuff still happens. And then I do it at my house and it'll work out even better than I even planned. It's like, I don't even know at this point. Yeah, seriously. I, I guess you're at home right now, huh? Yep. Cool. At, at home in the in the soon-to-be-finished recording studio, hopefully. Nice, nice. I'm in my, my uh, art studio, if you can see behind me. There's this crappy shelf worth of stuff behind me with a basketball on it, so that's good. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, the only thing I got going right now is I've got a little bit of soundproofing up in here as I'm trying to finish up. I've got one window in here that's still covered so I don't get a bunch of reverb and, rec- and you know, sound off the back of it. But <laughs> hopefully someday it'll be done. Cool, cool. Anyway, you're here to talk about Portland, uh, the Trailblazers. You want to talk about the Trailblazers? Or do you just want to just say uh, hi and then we can just go? <laughs> honestly, man, it is as weird as it seems, like, yeah, I know a lot about Portland, but I've kind of been fixated on Philly for a couple of years now just because of the way they've gone about things. The, the whole trust the process, hinky transition into Colangelo. And from afar, it's like this really interesting experiment, especially for someone like me who's so invested in analytics and how you need to avoid mediocrity in the NBA, how mm-hmm. you need to either bottom out, be at the top. And what's a real bummer right now is that Portland went through this, you know, the jailblazer era was kind of forced upon them and then they bottomed out and they, they landed three studs in LaMarcus Aldridge, Brandon Roy and Greg Oden. And we all know how that ended. Right. And it was not a fun experience at the end of it. Now the build up to it and the 66 total games, those three played together. That's it. For anybody who didn't know, 66 games. They were 54 and 12 in those games, by the way. Yeah. So they they were pretty decent together. You're not inspiring me with a lot of hope, man. I I hope Philly doesn't go the same way. (laughs) That's what I mean. I hear Embiid going in for him around his knee, and I know this is different from his back and it's different from his foot. But that's the problem, isn't it? It's like, oh my God, are you kidding me again? And then you've got Simmons who. The foot, I mean, I, I know the Frank injury can be weird and they're being cautious, but God, this stuff starts piling up real fast, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really does. Now, I, here's here's my biggest thing with it. Like, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, let's, you know what? What the hell? Let's touch on the, let's touch on the Nerlens trade real quick. And I'll talk yeah. about that in relation to what you're talking about. The reason I, and, you know, the rights to Ricky Sanchez guys hit, Sanchez guys hit on this perfectly. And I don't know if you listen to that podcast, but they were talking about they're not completely confident in Embiid staying healthy long term. 
I'm not either, man. Like, I love Embiid. If he what can big stay... man can, seriously, look around the league. What big man can stay healthy for 70-plus games in an NBA season now? Exactly. And so if you have uh, an Embiid that can play, like, 60 games a season, right, who do you want to back him up? You want Julio Loco for or do you want Nerlens Noel? Nerlens Noel is clearly the better player. He offers everything that Embiid offers except for the offense. And, and he's just, and he was below. How many minutes did they play together? Was eight, it like eight? Eight total minutes, which is a travesty. Good God. I know. They played, <laughs> all right, look, you know, I'm supposed to be an NBA podcast and somehow I always end up talking about just Sixers every time. <laughs> but <laughs> you mentioned to me that uh, Portland was interested in Noel and they could have given a way better package. Do you know anything about that? And oh, what God. happened there? I know there was discussions early on centered around Alan Crabb for Nerlens Noel. The, those those kind of things happened. Mm-hmm. That was reported by numerous reputable people around the NBA. Um, what are, whether or not the specifics um, were, you know, Crabb for Noel straight up, or if it was Noel and a pick somewhere along the line for Crabb and something. I, I don't know what it, what it amounted to. Um, it could have been crabbing a pick for Noel. Who knows what, what was going on there? But the bottom line is, good God, did Brian Colangelo just give him away or what? Oh my God, I'm I'm so angry about this trade. Like, I, the thing is, the whole thing about it is, is the way it was handled. It was it was botched. He could have traded one of the two guys a long time ago. He could have. He could have gotten way more for Noel than he did. And, oh, my God, I just didn't want him to trade Noel. Like, he, he was the guy that you should keep, not not Okafor. Okafor's never going to— Well, and the crazy thing is is Portland was rumored with Okafor. Yeah. It, it, was, it was said that the reason he was held out of that game was because the deal was basically done with Portland. Yeah, exactly, which is—I well, mean, and then they went and they got Nurkic. But, you know, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but— yeah, it, it makes no sense. He he sold Noel for like pennies on a dollar. It was I was the funny thing is last week I was talking about what a terrible trade it was for the Kings when they got rid of Boogie Cousins, right? I'm like, he got nothing for him. The fans must be livid, they must be outraged. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for their fans. And then he <laughs> Colangelo goes and trades Noel. I know it's not the same deal, it's not the same scope of a deal, but No, but you slide that one under the radar and all of a sudden it doesn't look nearly as bad. Right. And it looks I, like I, I've, it looks like seriously he, since the boogie deal went down, the, I'm telling you the biggest fan of the boogie deal isn't Colangelo. It's Sam Presti. Presti's sitting here going, "Thank God nobody's going to even talk about the Harden trade <laughs> ever again." When they talk about stupid trades in NBA history, it's going to be boogie, 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 and they'll be too exhausted by the time they go. Oh, that's right, the Harden deal was really bad too. <laughs> well, that's true. I don't know. The Harden deal, I think, is still going to go back, <laughs> go down as one of the worst trades. But anyway. But like, I think it just because of that trade, I think like anything went like, I don't, I think Brian Colangelo had backed himself into a wall by not trading the guys. He waited too long. He, he'd realized that he drove their value down by holding them. And at the last possible moment, he's like, well, he's going to be a free agent with with restricted rights, by the way, they could have signed him and traded him. Noel I'm talking about now, but he, maybe he just thought, well, after that trade, I couldn't possibly do anything wrong to get people mad at me. Why don't I just do this? Just settle for pennies on a dollar. It was oh, and then and then don't forget, then marketed it as a first round pick. Oh my god, came back in that press. Re- oh, I saw that press release too. Oh, the yeah. dishonesty, yeah. the dishonesty. Oh my god. And here's the problem. This is the problem with the the organization right now. They are so dishonest with the fans. Like they, you were talking about the injuries too, uh, um, Embiid and Ben Simmons. And like the thing is, they're just not. They're telling us two different things, and then coming out at the end and being like, oh no, well, you know, he's not going to play this year. Well, that's how the Portland deal was sold. Yeah. For those that don't know on the outside, 
the Greg Oden injury saga was put together and marketed as the at first it was oh Greg will be down just for a couple weeks, and then it was a couple months, and then it was oh crap it's the season. Yeah, and we went through this saga three different times, and the hopes would come up and Greg would play for a little bit, and then boom. Yeah. Every single time. And you could watch just the ebb and flow of hope in Portland just come crashing down. Because when those three were healthy, they balled out. They absolutely unequivocally balled out. Yeah. And, they, and, and none of them were at their peak in this time. That's the crazy thing. Right. Like, peak Roy never played with peak Odin and peak Aldridge. Those three never like overlapped over each other. What you're saying is kind of the same thing with Embiid. It's Embiid plus a bunch of parts. Don't say and it. And we're this, not even seeing. You're killing We're not me. even you're... seeing peak Embiid though. That's I know, the crazy I know. thing. He doesn't have his his wingman out there. He doesn't even have Simmons out there. That's the kind of impact that this dude is having. And for him to in this whole situation to be treated so shrouded in mystery and dishonesty. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, I'm sitting back here on literally on the other coast, going, man. This reeks of how the Odin situation was handled. And everybody out here in the Portland media, we, we all talk about this. We're all watching the same situation. And we're pretty much all like, mm-hmm, yep, yeah. yep. Just kind of <laughs> look at each other, nod like, does, does this look familiar? Yeah, man, this isn't good. Yeah, I know the writing's kind of on the wall. I'm hoping it doesn't go down the same way, but it's it's true. And the thing that really drives me nuts about it is that Sam Hinkie was blasted in the media for not being not being honest and open with fans and not talking, right? Brian Clangelo is doing the exact same thing. And now he's lying on top of it. Like, you know, he, he he's, he's just like, dude, what are you doing? It's, it's, it's. Let's not forget the things turned sideways on Sam Hinkie with that ownership group after he made a trade that got two pick swaps and another first round pick with and Kings, Nick Stauskas yeah. and Carl Landry. And the Kings got absolutely nothing that if that's your turning point as an ownership group for why you don't like your GM and how he's handling things. Man, Philly's in for a long I, off season. I totally, I totally agree with the ownership group point, man. I I think they're starting to show their colors, like they're a little bit wishy washy. They they tend to like just. Uh, I don't think they want to look bad. I think they don't want to look bad. So what, the same thing with bringing in Jerry Colangelo and then having him bring in his son. Like they needed to save face because they were. I mean, ultimately, what happened is the NBA stepped in because if this experiment, this grand experiment, the process had worked, yeah. it lays the foundation for every that other was the team. Problem. Yeah, it lays the foundation for every other team to do this. That's fine. You have to get rid of that, right? But you don't have to do anything about Vladi Divac, like Divac, Divac. I, I can't even say his name. Making the worst, two of the worst freaking trades in NBA history. Don't do anything there. Don't step in. And, uh, I have so many problems right now with this team and the league and like then the ownership and the and the GM. I'm, I'm a little upset. You're not allowed to have planned ineptitude. Right. That's I think that's what it is, but if, right? If, it's, if, 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 if you're it's just totally inept. natural stupidity, the, 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 let it fly, baby. Yeah. Let it fly. Four on five cherry pick in basketball and Buddy Heald's the next Steph Curry. Totally cool. Yeah. Plan tanking and throwing out a product that's supposed to generate as many losses as possible while incurring the least amount of salary ramifications, that's gaming the system. Right. And that's how the system's I mean, that's, set up. That's, that's how they see it. Yeah. But that's how yeah. the system's set up. They incentivize that. He just took him, Sam Hinkie took complete advantage of the system they had set up. If you don't want him to do that, 
change the rules. Change the system. Change yeah. the system. Yeah. Well, they did kind of with, with the way the CBA is now. Right. I mean, yeah. that's really – this last CBA negotiation was about – not as much about tanking as it was the formulation of super teams and how the dollars that go with contracts now basically preclude that from ever happening again if you ever want to make money. Well, in which way? Explain that to me a little bit. You're more of a, a – you're more tuned in with these so things So basically – the way the new CBA is set up is you can make good money like every other NBA player. I mean, minimum contract and max contract. It's all damn good money. But if you want to make the super money, like what Boogie would have made had he mm-hmm. stayed in Sacramento or what Paul George could make if he stays in Indiana, that's the way that the CBA was designed now to keep these homegrown stars in one place. They have the ability. I believe now New Orleans won't be able to do the stupid deal that they had that the Sacramento could offer. Right. But the money that New Orleans can offer because they own his rights. Um, and as it's not a restricted, it's a, basically a hometown, not a hometown discount, but a, a hometown, uh, bonus. Okay. So they can offer him, I believe it's 47 million more than anybody else with that extra year. But that's you, a whole lot of money. That's man. a lot of money, man. <laughs> that's a lot of money. But the thing is, it actually kind of backfired on him. Like, because of that max contract, the Kings were faced with having Boogie for five years for $210 million, I think it was, or something like that. And they looked at it. It, it, it comes down to like, like 200 basically, the, the way the math's done. But, I mean, we're, we're kind of splitting hairs at that percent. point. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but they then the they crazy have thing him. Is, though, you wouldn't take him? You wouldn't take him at that cost? Well, I, that's the thing. I don't know. Like, you know, who? but what What if they continue to lose and he continues to have problems being there and, and you know, somebody's not willing to take on that contract? I don't I don't know. I think it, I think that maybe they it put him in a bad situation thinking that, like, if it was only four years and we can give him so much money. I, I think maybe it just scared them off a bit. And so maybe a little bit of, of the new CBA kind of scared them into trading him to begin with. So it might have had an... It might have had a you know an adverse effect, but anyway, not li- listen. We're not talking about the Kings. <laughs> we want to talk about Portland. Let's talk about the trade that Portland made. Um, so they gave up. What did they give up? They gave up. Uh, what's his Mason Plumlee in a second round pick. Thank you, Mason Plumlee in a second round. Yep. What's his face? Is that does that For, sum it up? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's trust me. I, I hear it all the time, and I, I've been a guy that who when Mason Plumlee was brought in, I was excited in the sense that you got to remember. Two years ago, this Portland team lost four of five starters. Damian Lillard is the only player from that team mm-hmm. who got significant time. CJ McCollum, as great as he's been over the last year and a half, was a non-factor. He was so much a non-factor that Neil O'Shea traded Will Barton in a first-round pick and Victor Claver for Aaron Aflalo. The, the following year is when CJ started. Right. Well, CJ so, was, I mean, was injured basically his talk- whole first season, though, right? Yes, and then he came into the lineup, and I mean, he was healthy when the Aflalo trade went down. Okay, it was just, it was a matter of months later that all of a sudden CJ McCollum is now the starter because of his really because of how he played in the playoffs. Yeah, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so I mean, there was there's a lot going on in Portland, building over these last two years, and so Mason Plumlee's brought in basically to be the center after Robin Lopez's departure. Plumley does admirably well at, at what he does. And I was pretty harsh on him um, towards the latter part of his first year just because he's not a starting center in the NBA. But he's probably one of, if not the best backup big man in the entire league. Yeah. 
I, he does a lot of things for you. The only thing he doesn't do is like, I don't really think he helps on defense as much. I think he just doesn't know where to be. But he's he, his passing, for me, like a big man it's that sublime. passes, is sublime. Yeah, passing, a big guy that passes yeah. that well is is rare. He's super it's athletic. It's probably Jokic, Gasol, and Plumley as yeah. far as passing big men in the league right now. Yeah. I mean, he's basically built like an oversized guard, you know? But again, like, I, I don't know if he works better as a power forward because his shot isn't very, he doesn't have a very, he doesn't have a good range. He right? has no shot. He has you no can, shot. Can, <laughs> yeah. So basically. He's bouncy and springy as could be. He's a decent rebounder. Um, he sets effective picks on the perimeter and you can run your offense through him as a secondary playmaker. Mm-hmm. So in, in Denver, he makes a ton of sense. Yeah, because basically with... he's he's a light Jokic. Right, he can run the second unit the same way you run your first unit, which a lot of NBA teams can't say they can do. Normally, when you have a first and a second unit, they're two different styles because you've got different flavors of of players. On I mean, look 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 at the Lakers. Their second unit is Lou Williams or was Lou Williams? Was it Lou was Williams, get yeah. buckets. Right. I mean, but but you can see the contrast in that. Yeah, uh, you, you look at some of the other teams out there. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers, for example, it's Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. One of them is always on the court at the same time. But when that secondary unit's in there, the offense changes because there's only one primary ball handler. Right. It's the only time there's ever two primary ball handlers on the floor or when Damian and CJ are out there because Evan Turner's probably out for the season. Is it really the season now? We were going to get to that too, but is it the season now? I thought it was mid-March, but... Uh, but that I mean, is basically the season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are we looking at? Yeah. Okay. Here, let me go ahead and roll this back, and then we'll kind of get back into into the into the Nurkic trades because I know I got off track. Yeah, it's okay. Portland is right now. They can go one of two different ways. They can tank, or they can try to make the playoffs. Making the playoffs does them absolutely nothing except for affecting the bottom line and getting a couple home game playoff ticket sales. Nothing else. Yeah. They have their pick. They have the pick that they got from the Denver deal, which is Memphis's pick, and they have the Cleveland Cavaliers pick. Right now, they are two games away from the Philadelphia 76ers in the loss column. That separates 10th from 5th. Wow. That's a big That's damn a, difference. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Picking 5th, picking you have a shot at a Josh Jackson or a Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. Picking 10th? Picking 10th, you're looking at, you're looking at Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, I see. I don't know any of the that, guys. That's, but see, that's that's the difference in player that you're talking about. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know the, the difference in the players because I don't watch college. But <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, the top seven guys in this draft are all legit NBA prospects. And I know everybody wants to say that every year, but something about this group, this this current crop of of guys coming in, there's just a ton of talent here. Are some of them going to bottom out? Yeah. Yeah, it happens but every me time. personally, I'm stupidly high on Josh Jackson, and which is really weird to me because I hate Kansas players, <laughs> Embiid and Wiggins notwithstanding. I just think other than those two guys, who out of Kansas has been good over the past twenty years? Um, you got me, man. I'm I'm really bad. Paul at Pierce. <laughs> All right, Paul Pierce. There I we mean, go. seriously, like the gap between Paul Pierce and Embiid is is pretty vast. In between, you've got like Rafe LaFrance, okay? <laughs> I don't even know. So, I don't think anybody knows who that is. It's a good job. You know, in, in Portland, he's huge because his expiring contract was an ongoing joke for about 10 years. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Anybody who, anybody who follows the salary cap knows the Rafe LaFrance expiring contract saga. But 
Um, if Portland can take and get into a top five range and give themselves a legit opportunity to get a top three pick, mm-hmm. that's the only way they're saving this because Evan Turner's contract is an absolute disaster. Yeah. Evan Turner, the player, is not a bad player. He just wasn't worth that much. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think anyone was willing to give yeah. him that much either. I don't think anyone was willing up for his services at that he cost. He bid against himself. Yeah. No, he bid against himself. It's, it's, it's basically confirmed at this point in time because the way Evan Turner reacted and the way he's told the story to multiple sources is that he lit up like a Christmas tree, told everybody, Dan, they offered me this much, and every single person he talked to said, don't take any more calls, take the deal. Yeah, exactly. Why would you take another call after that? <laughs> he know, look, even so, Evan Turner knows what he's worth. I and mean, he knew he wasn't worth that yeah. much. As soon as he heard that number, he probably thought, man, somebody's pranking me. There's <laughs> no way that somebody's offering me this much money. But don't get me wrong. 10 points, five rebounds, five assists. He's a solid player. He can play two-way basketball. He's kind of a, a an off-rhythm kind of player that can yeah. set defenses off because of where he, he breaks. He, he's a tendency breaker. So I, I like that about him. I don't think he fits well in Portland with Damien and CJ, but whatever. That that's that boat is sailed. But I thought but they brought him in to basically run the second unit anyways, as they're like de facto point guard there. So the problem is there's no shooting on that second unit yeah, other than enough. Alan Crabb. Yeah. So and and Crabb is okay, let's put it this way. Alan Crabb against the the Toronto Raptors last night. I'm sitting here talking to the the Blazers Edge staff in and, and our Slack channel, you know, right as the post came in, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I go, you guys realize Alan Crabb just played 31 minutes, right? Everybody just, <laughs> you, you can feel the collective eyeballs, like eyebrows raised around the room, like, wait, did you say 31 minutes? I didn't even know he was out there, <laughs> and he's had so many of those games this year, yeah, at 18 and a half million dollars a year. So you start looking at the way these dollars add up. Portland has to tank. If not just for talent acquisition, they need to restock the cupboard in, on young, affordable contracts with potential. Well, and if I you think- look up and down the they don't have any of those guys anymore. Yeah. Dame's paid, Seats paid, Crab's paid, Turner's paid, Leonard's paid, Aminu and Davis are the only guys on non ten million dollar contracts that are in the rotation. That's insane. Wow. That's you just said a mouthful, my friend. <laughs> and I, yeah, I've been beating my head against this wall literally <laughs> the moment the Evan Turner. I was in Las Vegas for Summer League in a house full of SB Nation, ESPN, SI writers. And we're all talking about free agency and how things are going and what's going on with Portland. And as soon as the dollar amount came out about Evan Turner's deal, I literally lost my mind. Yeah, I, I was screaming and yelling in Tongues and profanities that you would not believe <laughs> in a house full of 20 people who are just watching this meltdown. And I just, I could not wrap my head around how this made any sense. So I've been beating my head against this wall as far as salary structure and how everything's supposed to be just magically okay yeah. once they do this consolidation trade. So it's just one of those things where it's like, man, I, I want nothing to do with this anymore. Well, okay, that's fair. <laughs> but Let's let's go back a little bit to the the trade that they just made. Now that you've got that all off your chest, that's, um, that's, that's, if anybody doesn't know, that's 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 my one rant for the podcast. I'll get on at least one. That's okay. It's good. I love rants. Feel free. Um, so, so let's let's talk a little bit about the the, the Nurkic trade. Um, what do you think about it? Just uh, you know, as far as it goes, how do you how do you like his fit on this team? And has it's two, it's two parts. Okay, it's a good deal. 
I mean, getting a first round pick for Mason Plumley alone was good. Was a good deal. Get a right. twenty. Getting yeah, getting a twenty two year old because you're losing Mason Plumley. Right. You you don't have the money to resign him. You're you're he's gonna you're going in a luxury way. tax. Right. Yeah. So a first round pick, cool. Two thumbs up. Yeah. Getting Nurkic was just kind of like cherry on top because the first round pick isn't a bad pick. Uh, Plumley was acquired for Rondé Hollis Jefferson, which was the twenty third or twenty fourth pick in that draft. This is probably going to end up being a twenty first or twenty second overall pick in a better draft. Right. So you basically so got your it's pick kind back. Of a Right, right. Yeah, and then you get a young, potential-laden big in use of Nurkic. The problem with this whole deal is, is that they're making this move because they have to. Right. That that's they they the organization painted themselves into this corner. They still don't have a quote unquote you know center of the future. They've been going through this cycle for really since Greg Oden. Joel Prisbilla is the last center that was an anchor for numerous years. That's that's the last time they had an effective center for a sustained period of time. Robin Lopez was nice, but he was only here for a couple of years. Right. Well, I mean, I'd love to have Robin Lopez on this team. Yeah, but that's he, just what case. He's really underrated, Robin Lopez. Everywhere he goes, he just does such a great job. Anyway, we're not talking about Robin Lopez. <laughs> yeah, I think he's second or third in, in defensive field goal percentage allowed right now. So wow. yeah, no, he's he's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Nurkic, I mean, has he shown like you him. anything so far? Has, yeah. has, has his fit yeah, looked so far? Three games. He's played three games, two really good ones last night against Toronto. Not so good. Um, the thing, the things he brings that are nice. He's a legit seven footer. Mm-hmm. Mason Plumley is very athletic. He's strong. He's, he's bouncy, moves his feet well, and he may measure in at seven foot tall top of his head. But he has one of the smallest or shortest standing reaches and wingspans of a seven-footer in NBA history. That's not hyperbole. That's just what it is. Wow. His wingspan is, like I believe, it's either 6'9 and a half or 6'10. That's unheard of for a seven-footer. Yeah, that's. I didn't know that. It's funny the things yeah, you no, learn I, about people when you're like really following the team really closely. <laughs> yeah, no, these, these are things that I, I watch a, a ton of. I'm, I'm huge into the numbers and the analytics and how they stack up and what makes sense. So when you're looking at bigs and rim protection and defensive help, somebody like a Robin Lopez or currently on the team in Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard constantly gets beaten up for not being this, that, or the other. If you look at his defensive field goal percentage allowed, his rim protection numbers, all that kind of stuff, they're mm-hmm. all great because he does one thing very well is that he's big yeah. and he knows how to beat big. He doesn't block shots. Robin Lopez is not a shot blocker, but they're both massive human beings who take up a ton of space. Right. They know where to put and their when, body on the court at the right time. And that's a lot of being a defensive player. Exactly. And one I had uh, one NBA player told me when you're trying to shoot over somebody like a Myers Leonard, imagine running into a phone booth and trying to shoot over the phone booth. Hmm. Just put your face up against a phone booth and try to shoot over it. And then just imagine that phone booth is about eight feet tall. Yeah. That's what it's like because he's so big. And when he gets his arms up in the air and, you know, goes vertical, where do you go with the ball? Right. It's just, it's, it's a very difficult proposition, even for a guy who's six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, because that's just, that's just the physics of it. So Nurkic is the same kind of guy. He's a massive human being. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's cute. They list him at 280 pounds. I feel like he's bigger than that. And he's a, Big yeah, boy. Okay. <laughs> pro tip pro tip for everybody out there, as far as measurements are concerned, add about 35 pounds to every center in the league. Really? When you look at their stats. Yeah. I, I've, I, I've 
met a lot of these guys. I'm a big guy. I'm six foot. I'm 265 pounds. And I'm just, I'm just naturally a big dude. I mean, mm-hmm. you, we're sitting here on Skype and you can see. You're a big I'm guy. Not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not slight. I'm not a huge fatty. I'm just a big dude. Yeah. It's, that's just the nature of it. These guys in the NBA are massive human beings. They're absolutely there. I've met Shaq. I've met Yao Sabonis. I mean, some of the biggest guys in the NBA history and they dwarf me, which is absolutely. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at them I'm like, dear God almighty, how are you this big? <laughs> right. Cause you are a big guy, right? Like in your daily life, everybody you meet is probably much smaller than you. And you, yeah, they're smaller than me. Like me, you could throw me across the room. Seriously. I'm a little it, guy. <laughs> it's, it's funny. But, I mean, I do a radio show here in Portland with a, a guy who's about 170 pounds. And somebody said, you know, they called into the show and asked, hey, you know, who's going to win an arm wrestling competition? He looks at me. He's like, I don't know. He's about two and a half of me. So I'm going to go ahead and throw my money on him. And nobody, because they don't see me, they don't realize that the, the mousy voice actually goes into a much larger human being. But that's something that gets lost in today's NBA, in today's yeah. small ball. If you want to stop the the fast-paced small ball, throw a prime era shack out there. Right. That, that stuff will come to a screeching halt. Oh, yeah. but Because the, there's, there's just no way you can stop it. Right, but there are no more of those guys. So, <laughs> But, the, the, you know, no, so, Nurkic is a good— but the other way to do it is, is be big. Yeah. You can, you can slow teams down and punish them inside, and I know that flies in the face of analytics, but it's the only actual counter to pace is to be big and physical because those are the things that you can't quantify or measure in a lab and try to replicate. It's just something you, you – look at what Cleveland did to the Warriors in the finals. Yeah. They just beat the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah, it's it true. It was a game of fine stuff and be physical. So that's what Portland kind of looked at when when they went after a guy like Nurkic. And he's got a little bit of nasty streak in him. And and Portland needs that. So how do so you, how do you he, feel about him moving forward? I mean, do you think he's going to be an okay fit with with Damon CJ? Well, I don't think anybody's an okay fit with Damon CJ unless you're Hakeem Olajuwon. Fair. I'm <laughs> I, I'm the proprietor, I am the flag bearer, I am the train driver of CJ and Dame won't work. I love them both dearly absolutely love both these guys as players but the defensive ineptitude is just something you just can't tolerate yeah it's just it's bad it's yeah it is bad it it really is bad and it's making everybody on the court worse defensively too it's if they can't cover anyone you you can't it doesn't matter how good your offense is yeah yeah and you could put Kawhi Leonard next to these guys and he's not his defensive number is going to look like crap because he's going to have to cover more than one guy at every time you know, and every time, that's every the, trip down the field, you can't, I mean, down the court, rather, you can't cover more than one position you can have at one a time. Guy. Yeah, you can, you have, can have one, one guy, guy who's a sieve, sure. I mean, Steph is a sieve. Yeah. Kyrie is a sieve. Tony Parker is a sieve. I mean, every team is going to have one of those guys. It may not be at the point guard position. John Wall will lock you down. Oh, yeah. Kyle Lowry will lock you down. Chris Paul can lock you down. He takes some possessions off from time to time. But... It's one of those things where you, unless you have a absolutely phenomenal defensive three, four, and five behind these guys, which I don't think is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you basically need to have a Kawhi, LeBron, and a shot blocker, and enough offense behind Damon CJ to be considered elite. 
Yeah. They just they just give up too many points. Well, that brings up a question. What do you, what do you think they do from here? I mean, they've signed all these guys in the offseason to way too big of contracts. They can't make a move until the summer now. Right. With the way that the contracts are CJ's he does it's not necessarily a poison pill, but it's essentially a poison pill um effect in his contract that give, I believe it's 15% kicker on his trade. Maybe it's either 7 or 15, I can't remember which one. Either way, it takes his contract from near max to basically max mm-hmm. um, once that kicks in. So that's a preclusion to, to his, his being traded. One of them has to go. And the thing is, CJ's probably the better, more efficient player as far as ability to get shots consistently and have a high field goal percentage, high true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage. Damian Lillard is worth his weight in gold to this city as a leader as a business model and as a franchise centerpiece. Don't get me wrong. He still gets buckets too. He's just not as effective as far as percentage wise. I mean, he's career low right now in, in three point percentage, but his effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, um, and field goal percentage are all career highs as are his points. His assists are just behind his career high and his rebounds are career high. So he's putting up, What's crazy is he's putting up a better statistical season this year than he did last year when he got snubbed by the All-Star mm-hmm. uh, team. And this year, more people are justifying his snubbing than they were last year, even though statistically he's playing better. Right. It's because of the record. You know, everyone looks at the record like, oh, they're not winning. How could they possibly put him in? Well, the thing was, is Portland really wasn't winning then either. Then either, right. They didn't come it, on until the they, second they, half. They, they were just... They were just starting to ramp their way up. Right. But kind of getting back to, to Nurkic here, Nurkic is long-term, is still undecided. But that's that's the thing is, is Portland needs guys like that right now. Yeah. They, they need some guys' potential on a, on a rookie deal. And he does have a lot of potential, man. I, th- I, I was actually shocked when he— Oh, he's already shown it. He's already what? I'm sorry. He's already shown it. I oh. mean, he he's he's got great, great footwork in the post. Yeah, I mean, for a 300-pound dude to just be on his toes like that, I, I his, his Twitter handle is the Bosnian Beast. I started calling him the Bosnian Bear just because he just he gets up on his toes, man, and you're like, how is a guy that big? He's just twinkle toes. Yeah. It, it's very, very Shaq-like. And for people, we'll kind of touch on the topical thing here, KD talking about Shaq not being skilled. Shaq's footwork is probably the second best in the NBA history behind Akeem. So KD can go ahead and just – Please go to hell with that nonsense. Uh, Fair enough. When I, when, it, when I heard that, I, I just like, I, dude, you could be defending whatever at this point in time. I don't, I just don't care. When you say something that stupid, yeah. that, that Shaq was big and strong and wasn't that skilled, it's like, all right, ring chaser, calm down. Um, <laughs> that's fair. I think but, that's fair. But, uh, but Nurch is a guy who he – has a little bit of Sabonis into his game for Blazers fans in that he's a very creative and, and slick passer. He's one of those guys that, if anybody ever watched Sabonis play at the Blazers, he was he was a guy that liked to pass with one hand, just mm-hmm. those big mitts. And Nurkic will do a lot of this. You can see what I'm talking yeah, about. You're He'll holding your hand up. Move the ball around, <laughs> holding my hand up. He'll move his move the ball around with one hand, put it behind his back, and then just kind of flip it. We had and a really Nurkic nice done pass. That. He had a really nice pass last night, I think. I was watching the the uh, condensed game, and he, he had this really nice pass around the rim. Got roll into the rim with the yep. one touch to Vonley for the dunk. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, he, it was a really nice pass. Yeah, um, yeah he, he's done that quite a few times already. Yeah. And that was kind of a, a nice surprise. And honestly— I talked to a couple of guys. 
who followed him and they and they believed that he had that in him and to see that come out right away was really cool and honestly like when he was in uh denver i thought he was going to be their center of the future i thought he was that good that talented last year watching him i like i love to watch him play he was really good i think the only reason he's i think the only reason he's not is because Jokic is just unbelievable. Like, where did that guy come yeah, he, from? But... He's MVP talent level is what he's shown over the last, you know, four or five months. I mean, exactly. There, there was things going on. I've got some friends in Denver who kind of explain the situation that Nurkic just wasn't happy. And it got to him mentally, emotionally, whatever you want to talk about. Um, I mean, it, it got so bad with the relationship between him and the Nuggets that he left a game during halftime when he wasn't playing. They had to go get him and bring him back to the arena. Jeez. So that lets you know how, how sour the relationship got. And I believe the reason the Blazers got Nurkic in with that pick from the Nuggets was that the Nuggets basically told Nurkic that, hey, we're going to move you. So just shut up about it and we'll okay. find you a home. Yeah, and I think and, and I think talk- that's what happened. We talked a little bit about how Okafor was uh, – he stayed home for two games because everyone, you know, said that he was going to Portland. And I, I think they just made a way better deal with, I mean, for them, it sucks for me, but he made a way better deal. Oh yeah. No, I, mean, I, I, I don't want anything to do with Okafor. I never have. Yeah. Nobody I does. Just, I, you know, <laughs> I, I never, he was never somebody that I wanted in Portland. Nurkic has much more two-way basketball in him than Okafor does. Now, Okafor is a very, very gifted post player. Yeah, and that's it. But, and it stops there. Yeah. I mean, he's, to me, when I look at him, if he gets motivated, if he gets his head right, he's Al Jefferson. Yeah, exactly. That's not a bad thing. No, no. That's not a, I mean, look at what Al Jefferson did in the playoffs last year with the Hornets. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you get, in the playoffs with a guy that can just put in work in the post. That's something to be, that's a valuable asset. And I think Portland's kind of looking at Nurkic the same way in that we haven't had a post player here since LaMarcus. Mm-hmm. So he gives us size. He gives us another option because Portland has the least amount of post-ups in the NBA. They actually, I believe they set the record last year in NBA history for least amount of post-up opportunities. I have, to, I have to double check it, but I know it's at least in the modern era, wow. but they, they just didn't, they just didn't they post anybody up yeah. at, at all. It, it's nuts. Um, well, so it's, it was a little weird to see. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, I think honestly, I think there's some, you got to feel better about that better than having Mason Plumley anyway. It's, it's, it's definitely a move in the right direction, but oh, yeah, there's potential there. Right, definitely. A lot of potential. I, and I think Nurkic can I think Nurkic can actually be good. I think he's a little bit underrated because, like you mentioned, he was really unhappy. And as we see all the time, man, if a guy's unhappy, like, think about what well, you, you are doing it's your job. Affect the pl- yeah, you are doing your job right now. But when I go to work and I'm unhappy, I'm, I'm worthless. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't get anything done. I'm in my own head. Nurkic is 22. Yeah. He's only 22. And he's, he's you. You don't understand the big man position until you're 24, 25 years old. That's just it's just a matter of fact in the NBA. Yeah, that's so, why guys like AD and Cat, how ridiculously good they're performing right now, give them two, three more years and watch the nuance in their game just come to the to the top. And that's that's when they're really, really going to be something special. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So I definitely think it was an absolute win. I know a lot of people were like down on it for Portland for some reason. Uh, just 
<clears throat> Actually, I'm not even sure why, but I thought it was a win right off the bat. I say I'll tell you one, Ben Gulliver from Sports Illustrated. He's he's a, he's a friend of mine, and, and we discussed this deal, and he released his his view on it, and he wasn't real high on it. I believe he graded a C or C plus or C minus. It was one of the C grades, mm-hmm. but basically, it's because this is Portland kicking the can down the road on the center again. This gives them a couple years. It gives them a young guy with potential on a rookie deal. But the, remember, Mason Plumlee is supposed to be that deal. So they 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 basically have become center flippers. You know, the, the house flippers of the NBA. Right. They, they took a draft pick. They brought a young kid in. They developed him. And now they just let him go. They sold him off. Well, they're doing the same thing again. They just keep kicking the can down the road instead of making the decision and bringing in what's supposed to be the center of the future. Now, Nurkic could be that guy. He might not be that guy. But I think that's what, what his main takeaway from this was, was that this is Portland just kind of moving along and not really committing to anything in the short or long term, especially after committing so much to the long term this past summer. Yeah. All right. So then, then that begs the question, what would you like to see them do? I mean, like, so as far as centers, who would you rather have gone after? I mean, he's really, I mean, would you have gone no. after Boogie? I don't. I don't even know. Noel. There. Noel, you would have gone after Noel. Noel was the guy that, if you're gonna try to make the Dame CJ experiment work, you've got to have somebody mobile, athletic, and defensive behind him. Yeah, that's just the bottom line. Um, moving crap. I know it sounds like I'm beating up on Alan Crab. I like Alan Crab as a player. I just, I think matching that contract was a dumb idea. Yeah. People will say, well, he's an asset. You just can't let him go for nothing. Well, you're not letting him go for nothing. You're saving yourself $18.5 million. Right. Well, and they signed him so for, what, four years? That's a crap ton of money. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's some... a crap ton of money. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. He's not worth all that. I'm just saying. 13, 14, 15. I get. And everybody, well, it's only $2.5 million. It's only $3 million, $4 million. Guess what? When you start making enough deals where you give up the two, three, four million dollars on two, three, four deals, yeah, that's one less player that you get to sign with an above MLE deal. Right, and it's that's not... the difference between a six, seven seed and a three, four, five seed. Right. It's not necessarily about what you're paying that one guy. It's about the cumulative effect that it has on the team, and in order, in, in you know, in the ability to sign other free agents. Yeah, and it constrains your resources. Right. Exactly. Uh, where was I? I forget. Uh, Noel. Yeah, <laughs> Noel. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite I, I, players I on the Sixers. Crab... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was I was saying, I, I think a crab for Noel deal benefits both sides. Philly yeah. has a, a metric ton of cap space. Taking an Allen Crab, they wouldn't even have to bat an eye at it. And I think they could have brought I mean, him along in that system. I think I think uh, they've done really well at, like, developing players so far and i think alan crab just needs you know a little bit of playing time and some some tlc and i think he could be a, a useful guard in the league right but i mean to, he's still shooting 40 percent from three and 50 percent from the field that's really the dude's good. a knockdown shooter yeah yeah i mean he's, he's probably one of the best mid-range shooters in the entire nba that's the crazy thing so well where's you the, throw him really on any team sorry what's the you, hole in his game yeah what's the hole is it the defense he can't is put it? the ball on the floor Oh, all right. See, I don't get to watch enough Portland. <laughs> yeah, he can't put the ball on the floor. He's basically a poor man's Danny Green. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Okay. So, but he's not as good a defender. He's He's got the potential to be a good defender, but he falls asleep off ball. He gets caught ball watching every now and then. And he's not as aggressive on either side of the floor 
as he could or should be. Right. When Crab is really rolling, he doesn't hesitate on his jumper. He gets in passing lanes and generates turnovers. He gets out on the fast break. He's a guy that's just a perfect glue guy. But he will, like last night, he will absolutely disappear from games like you would not believe. Mm. Now, on a team like Philly, let's, let's say Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are both healthy for, for argument's sake. Oh, my God, I hope. You Go have <laughs> Alan Crabb running off screens around a ball-handling small forward. You could not ask for a better situation. Yeah. You get you get a point guard who doesn't necessarily need the ball. Let's just say, for the sake of an argument, let's say Jared Bayless turns into a plus defender and, con- and continues knocking down threes. Basically, he's a 3 and D point guard. So you've got a 3 and D point guard, a 3 and D two guard, Ben Simmons, insert power forward, and Joel Embiid. That's a nice lineup. That's a fun watch i mean all you need to do is have a guy like bayless who could also create off the bounce just a little bit and think about how the floor opens up yeah they're shooting everywhere so there's room inside it's yeah yeah it's it's one of those where it's not a hard stretch to see how a guy like alan grab would fit perfectly in philly and how noel would fit perfectly in portland yeah and the thing is is that Everybody's like, well, Noel's contract's coming up. I'm like, well, you're shipping out Alan Crabb's crappy contract so you can sign Noel to that same crappy contract. Pretty much. But it's at a position of need. Yeah. That's what you're doing. And honestly, Noel is really underrated. I know it's a silly thing to say, but his defense is... No, his block percentage, his steal percentage, his rebound percentage. Right there, his I mean, If you stack... Yeah, his steals alone are huge. Is insane. For a big guy, he steals yeah. the ball more than anybody I've ever seen. The guy's, his hands are so fast. I'm going to miss him so much in Philadelphia. I'm just saying. Um, that's I'm just a, the natural defensive inclination. That's yeah. that's just understand where the ball's going to be and knowing when and when not to gamble. That's a natural defensive acumen that you just can't teach. Yeah. Guys either have or they don't. Look at the guy, and everybody wants to talk about how steals and blocks don't matter. Blocks necessarily don't matter, but steals? Definitely. Steals as far as how they, in the, the actual category itself doesn't necessarily matter. But what it does to a team in the amount of points it can generate, statistically and analytically, is one of the single hardest factors in the NBA to replace or replicate. So say let's someone like Chris Paul who gets two and a half steals a game. Mm-hmm. It is nearly impossible for three replacement level players to generate that one player's production in the steal category on average. That's a lot of production. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And those steals lead to free points almost every single time. Yeah, you're fast and breaking in the other way. Era, exactly. <clears throat> In an NBA era where five points is the average margin of victory, two and a half points times two equals five. There you go. <laughs> so that's that's where somebody like Noel, who generates those naturally with his athletic gifts and his defensive awareness and acumen, can be so valuable. Now tossing the fact that he's seven foot tall, incredibly mobile, athletic, long and bouncy, guess what? You've got somebody who's pretty much perfect to put behind, uh, you know, anyone pylon of <laughs> defenders on the perimeter. I was trying to yeah, yeah, kind of that without going into a profanity laced tirade. Uh, <laughs> Good job. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, da- uh, listen, Dallas is super happy to have him. 
they they got him on a for a song. They're really happy to have him. They think he's going to be part of their future. And I honestly, as a Noel fan, I'm happy for him because I think that's going to be a really good landing spot for him. He's he looked got, pretty happy dunking last game. Huh? Did you see that last? How he closed out the game? That exactly what we were talking uh-huh. about. He stole the ball, ran down the court the like a fast break. like a gazelle, yeah. and dunked the crap out of that thing. And I'm I'm like, oh my god, he was our guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not supposed. I'm supposed to be an impartial NBA fan. Uh, I just, but yeah, I'm my heart lies with the Sixers. But man, that was that killed me. And listen. I, I wish Okafor well. I'm, I'm sorry to keep going on about the Sixers. I don't want to. Um, want to talk no, about that, Portland, it, but... it's just, it's just a lot of parallels between oh, so Portland many. and Philadelphia in the way they're, they're kind of coming and going and how injuries relate to what I've seen in the past. And basically, the, the way that I keep going back to is Portland needs to pull a Philly right now. They need to suck. Yeah. They need to they suck really and fast to get an asset. If they got a guy like a Josh Jackson who could be a legitimate two-way player in the NBA. He can knock down shots. He can, he has all the tools to be a great defensive player. When I look at him, I, I see Kawhi Leonard when he came into the league. Hmm. Not Kawhi Leonard now. Not Kawhi Leonard I see now. Kawhi Leonard when he came into the league. And that's a guy who's extremely athletic. Uh, not, just, not just looking at him as a slasher, but just his raw tool set. Right. And Portland needs that. They don't have that. They've got a guy in Al Farouk Aminu who's kind of that. And Maurice Harkless, who's kind of that, but neither one of those guys are as valuable as Jackson, you know, projects to be offensively. Right. So you get a guy like that on your roster at $2 million a year. That's a huge swing. That's a boon. You find a way to move Alan Crabb and heaven forbid somebody take, I, if Vivek will take Evan Turner for <laughs> peanuts, I'm all about that life. And all of a sudden you got $25 million in cap space or, they move CJ or Damian for Paul George. Yeah. You know, n- now you're cooking with gas. I mean, those are the kind of moves that those are the only kind of things that are saving Portland right now from, I don't want to say wasting, but burning through the best years of Lillard and, and CJ McCollum. It's true. And, and Portland is notorious <clears throat> for not being able to sign free agents. Like you can't get a big marquee free agent to come out to Portland. I don't know why. I don't know. It's, I, re- I was reading an art- article with, um, I forget who it was the other day. And they were talking about how, like, you know, it was an ex-player, and they were saying that, like, nobody wants to come to Portland. It's a nice place to visit, but nobody wants to sign here. And I'm not sure why that is. I had a part. It's not a big city, city life kind of. I mean, I'm an L.A. guy. Okay. I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California. I'm used to the big city life. Portland is not big city life. Right. It's a big suburban sprawl. Right. Um, Portland's a cool city. It's very unique. Now, there's a lot of guys that'll say once they get here, they love it. There's a lot of guys that once they've retired, they stay here. Brian Grant, Steve Blake, you know, recent Blazers, a lot of guys will stay in the Northwest and around the Portland area because it's a, if you're talking about like a place to raise your family and all that kind of stuff, they love it. Right. But, but the 22, 23 year old urban kid who wants the, the the urban nightlife, this is not, it's not that place. It's not Miami. It's not LA. It's not Chicago, New York, Houston. I mean, you go down the list. I mean, like, even San Antonio is more popping than than Portland as yeah. far as big cities go, even though Portland is actually a bigger market, right. which is a really weird scenario. Yeah, so but, so but basically, yeah, you're stuck with the, the draft, right? So you're gonna your next guy is gonna come from the draft. So, yeah, yeah, and since it's a loaded draft, drafts think, and trades. Yeah, yeah, and since and that, it's a loaded that's draft, the way Portland is always. Built. Yeah, so what do you think of the job O'Shea's done so far? I mean, like the last couple okay. of years. Go ahead. I, I've I've run through this a, a couple times, and 
at first, you know, people beat me over the head with it. But now the way that this season's gone, people are kind of like, huh, okay. I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Neil O'Shea, his draft history is nearly untouchable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Alan Crabb, second round pick. Um, I mean, it's just everything he's done as far as a draft is concerned is Will Barton. Hey, folks, that's another Neil O'Shea pick, second round pick. So draft wise, he is fantastic. Whether that's just him and his talent evaluation or he has the best scouts around him as humanly possible or, or some combination of the two, he gets it done there. And that's why I want this team to tank is so he can continue so he that can, trend. Right. Because that's, that's where he shined. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, I feel like I was going to cut you off. Is, no, no, you're fine. Okay. I mean, like I, I can talk for days about this stuff. <laughs> the other area he's, he's very good in is the value deal or value trade. Robin Lopez was a third team facilitation trade mm-hmm. for Tyreek Evans to go from Sacramento to New Orleans. Right. Sure. We'll take Robin Lopez. Um, Al Farouk Aminu was a $7 million a year deal from the Dallas Mavericks in the free agency. Ed Davis was a six and a half million dollar a deal, six, six and a half million dollar a year deal. So the value deals, he does well. Hell Maurice Harkless was traded for for a top 55 protected second round pick. That is the basketball equivalent of a used ball rack. Yeah. I didn't I mean I didn't know about that trade. That's crazy. And they're getting some good production that's, that's out of him. That's a crazy good deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean he just got paid the 9 million dollars a year. Maurice Harkless is, is a nice utility guy. Yeah. He's a two-way player. He can guard two threes and fours, knock down threes, put the ball on the floor every now and then get you in transition. I mean, he's a great roster guy to have. And again, he's still a kid. He's 22, 23 years old. Speaking of him real quick, just a quick aside. I thought they were expecting a lot, a little bit more of a step from him this year because he showed some real, some real value last year. He showed that he could do a lot of yeah. things well, well, really well. And it seems like he hasn't really come along this year. This team is just, that. that's, that's, you just basically sum up the team. This the whole team year. this year. Okay. Right, fair. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, Lillard and McCollum are having career years, so to speak, and, and Harkless is having a good year right. as far as you know basketball production. It's just not coming together. Um, what do you I think don't the think reason for that it. is? I mean, as the whole, like, why why are they falling off so much? I don't think they weren't as good as people believe them to be, and that's what I said last year. Yeah, it, literally everything went their way last season. Injuries. Everything. They didn't they have any almost injuries. almost no injuries. Right. Dame was out for seven games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. So um, you had Myers Leonard with his with his shoulder injury, but he had already been kind of moved out of the lineup anyways when uh, he had a, a subpar start to the season. So that didn't really impact which way they were going. Um, and then the schedule lined up favorably the second half of the season with a multitude of teams with injuries on back-to-backs on the road. I mean, you name it and everything came together. Throw in the, they against the world mentality and Lillard snub for the all-star game. And yeah, you got a perfect cocktail to run off some games. They had to do all of that to get to 44 wins. Yeah. 
Yeah. Three games above 500. That's that, that's the hard part to reconcile because, wait, this team beat the Clippers in the playoffs, and, you know, they, they beat the Warriors in a game, and they were, they they were close to others. They did beat the Clippers, but that was because of injuries. Again, like, no everything team. broke their way. Yeah. yeah, and then they got a gentleman sweep 4-1 from the Warriors. Sure, they were in some games, mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter. Right. Being in a game, that's great for your first time in the playoffs, you know? Right. Hey, we were in some games. Cool. We had a chance. We broke down down the stretch. That that's that's great. But in the long run, that stuff doesn't mean anything other than that. So when everybody's like, "Oh, this game, this team slated to win fifty four games this season," I'm, whoa, whoa. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and pump those bricks real quick. I, I honestly, I said heading into the season that they got the pitch the pitchforks and torches out for me was if they break last season's win total, I'll be impressed. Yeah. Cause I don't, I just don't think this is team is two years removed from losing 80% of their starters. Yeah. I agreed. You know, and that's the thing for me, like I, I was saying last year that I, I didn't expect them to do that. I didn't expect them to be anywhere near the playoffs and they did. And they, they, they made that push. They played out of their minds. They made it into the playoffs. They made it to the second round. Of course, injuries played a part in that. They, they looked like a really good young team that had some potential to take that next step. And I was expecting in the off season that like, all right, so now they're going to try and make some moves. They're going to bring in some guys who are like really good role players, maybe put them over that, over that little hump and, you know, just keep moving forward, get them to build. And they signed all the same guys knowing what their ceiling was. <laughs> and like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I didn't understand. And I still don't. And that, and this is what we have now. That's why you're getting so much pushback, I think, from the Portland community over the last month and a half or so. They they packaged it up and sold it as one thing or another. And by they, I mean the Blazers organization. Right. And the realization by the fan base and, and the media out here that they were sold a false bill of goods yep. has kind of turned. There, there's a couple writers out here that have been out here forever and the kind of their, their word is bond. They don't usually go too high nor too low. But even those guys in the past two weeks have both written articles that have basically said, yeah, the the chickens are coming home to roost. Yeah, for as sure. As far as last summer's decisions. Um, and that's opened a few eyes. And I don't think it's any surprise that those kind of pieces come out. And then a few days later, Neil O'Shea's name is rumored as a possible, you know, favorite to land in, with the Lakers. Those two things are not yeah. separate. Yeah. That I guarantee that that was a sign to Portland to say, oh, you're not happy with Neil O'Shea? The Lakers would be glad to take him. Yeah. And I think stuff like that, that pisses me off personally. I'm just like, if I'm Paul Allen, I, I turn into, into the into the almighty pompous Paul Allen like, oh, oh, is that how it's going to be? <laughs> That's cool. No, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, we're going to promote somebody else to GM. We'll keep you on staff as an assistant GM, and you'll be a figurehead here. And if the Lakers want you, they can they can go ahead and offer us compensation. Otherwise, you're just going to go ahead and sit here and and mope about it. Wow! Until you quit, we don't have to pay you. Yeah. Uh, but see, I'm an, I'm a I'm an evil, vindictive human. That's being. a hard line, so, my friend. That's a hard line. But that's, that's fine. That's it's... the nature of of Portland GMs over the past god 20 years. Right. There's always something just crazy. Think about Kevin Pritchard getting fired basically on draft day. Yeah. I mean, that was that was nuts. Uh, 
here in Portland, we had Bob Whitson. They called Trader Bob because of all the trades that were made and leading up to the, the jailblazer era. And I mean, it's just, there's so many different things. That, if you look at it, Portland's had like seven GMs in the past 20 years. It's a lot of GMs. That's, that's a lot to go through yeah. when you look at the stability of, I mean, this is, this is a franchise that for 25 years, 24 years had a run of playoff streaks. I mean, it, it was always the same kind of thing, just the familiarity of it. And over the past 10 plus years, it's been a lot more volatile. Right. So when did this when stuff did, kind of pops up? When did Paul Allen buy the team? I forget. Was it? Oh, God. God, it was. I want to say it was eighty. Oh, that long. Eighty-seven, eighty-eight. I was gonna say like it was either. It was either before the 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 Detroit Portland matchup, or it was the after the uh, Bulls Blazers matchup in the finals. I can't remember. I know it was around one of those two finals matchups. I just can't yeah. remember which one. So I, my Blazers history buffs would, would beat me over this one but i can never I, that's one of those things i always forget that's all right so my point was that like a lot of this stuff has happened under his watch under his, well, his ownership under yeah and the thing is, is that it's not just paul allen while paul allen's success in seattle with the seahawks mm-hmm. has been phenomenal yeah uh there's the the underlings of paul allen that people don't know about unless you're a fan of one of his franchises and that's the vulcans and I don't mean Star Trek. You mean the I mean the group, or the, group. Yeah. Yep. I know about the and Vulcans. And these guys, yeah, the Vulcans are are a pain. Hmm. They they meddle with a lot. Um, they I, have caused issues here in Portland in the past in how they've handled situations. And, I mean, recently, I mean, heading into this year, we got a new play-by-play and color analyst on TV. Mike and Mike, who'd been here for 20 years, were removed. Uh, Kevin Calabro, who's fantastic, and Lamar Hurd were brought in in their place. But a move like that doesn't come from anyone but Paul Allen, the Vulcans. Right. That's that's. But that's a hell of a move to make for a fan base that loves its its TV crew. I mean, yeah, if you right. looked at all the polls that came out of that, I mean, ninety five percent of the people, and this is from the poll, were against that move. Wow. That's uh... I mean, that's a stag percentage yeah yeah that's huge well listen um we are all over the place today <laughs> let me ask you two- yeah no i'm good for that <laughs> it's okay i feel like maybe i should reel you in i don't think i could uh <laughs> let me let me ask you <laughs> you're shaking your head no just for anybody who can't see this um let me ask you two questions real quick and then we'll we'll, we'll cut it off um so if you had to choose because we talked a little bit about cj and dame if you had to choose one of them going forward which one would you keep on the roster? And are you a little upset that Dame didn't make the the uh, All Star game? Um, analytically, CJ makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. He, but in the real world, Dame's the one you have to keep. It's it's basketball and it's business. Right. Dame is the heart soul of that team, not only in the locker room but the business. He, this this guy's the face of Adidas. It's not James Harden. It's not Andrew Wiggins. I mean, that say what you will, that means something. Yeah. That's huge as far as branding your franchise goes. Um, and he's still a hell of a player. And people want to talk about, well, CJ could run the point, this, that, and the other. No, he can't. CJ's a very good player, but he's not a he's not a point guard. No, he's a two guard. Damien is a point guard. Yeah. Damien has the the 
CJ may have more in his bag as far as playmaking in that he may make a flashier pass, but he gets tunnel vision and he can't see the corners and he can't see the wings when he penetrates. Damien has a natural ability to to see and feel where things are. Doesn't always make the best or the right decision, but he can and does make those decisions regularly. Excuse me. I don't have my cough button here. Um, (laughs) I I honestly, um, I wasn't surprised nor was I disappointed with Lillard not making the all-star team. Um, the point guard position is just loaded. It really it's, is. The guard position in the NBA is Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple double. Gene yeah. Harden is putting up 40 and 50 point triple doubles. Yeah, it's crazy. Steph Curry, the best shooter in NBA history. Clay Thompson might be the second best shooter in NBA history. I mean, that's four guys in the backcourt right there. Yeah. And I, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, and then you throw out a guy like Chris Paul, who yeah, he was injured. Okay, um, there's just too many guys there that you can you can make a case for. I will say this: it is a little surprising to me because given given Dame's star power, and as you mentioned, he is the face of Adidas, right? You would think yeah. that that would mean something. They would because even like the All Star Game is a popularity contest. You would think that would mean something, and like I don't know, it's just I. Just for that Part reason, I feel I feel like it was a little bit not of not on TV. What's that? We're just not on TV, man. Yeah, Portland is just not on TV. And unless you're uh, an NBA head who's you know hashtag League Pass alert, you just you don't watch Portland. I mean, if you're you're on the East Coast, if if you you're not going to watch a, a game that tips off at ten thirty your time. I try, I try really hard, but I have to work in the morning. So yes, <laughs> you're you yeah, are absolutely that's, correct. That's yeah. When we when we tip off at seven seven thirty on the West Coast, that's just this is not something that people on the East Coast get to see. Yeah. And you know we're not leading off Sports Center, so guys on the East Coast aren't aren't catching it in that sense. It, it's just one of those things, and it's just it's not all that surprising. The crazy thing is, if you want to take a look at it one way, is that statistically, no player averaging twenty six five and five has ever been left off the all-star team until this season. Hmm. Damian Lillard is, those are the numbers that Lillard's putting up. Yeah. That's, that's 26, five and five. That's, that's insane. Yeah. You know, and I feel like if it was in another year where we didn't have Westbrook averaging a triple double and Harden going crazy. Uh, yeah, it probably, he would probably be in. So. And the thing is with, with all this being said, he's still not going to make an all NBA team either. In the past, you know, when he got snubbed, he would make an, you know, like last year, he'd make an all NBA team. He, he's not going to make it this year either. That's the, that's the crazy thing. That is crazy. Like, what does the guy have to do? Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, I mean, we really are in a golden the age broader of point of like why Portland needs to improve or tank. Because right. if this guy's this good and he's still not there, where, where does that leave Portland? And, you know, and you hit on a really good point, too, that, like, those guys all have other supporting cast around them that is enabling them to be so damn good, you know? Um, Dame only has CJ, and they're basically, they're pretty much the same kind of person. I'm the same kind of, like, they shoot, they don't play defense, and you can only, your team will only win so many games. Yeah, I mean, they're giving you 50-plus points a night, almost every single night. Yeah. They're, they're half your offense every single night, those two guys. 
you have eight other guys, basically seven other guys that have to give you 50 ish points. Yeah. It's, and then and play all the defense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> play all the defense. And this is the point there. Yeah, exactly. They have to do, you know, all the defensive work. It's 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 tough. I don't know. Um, I should probably let you go because we're running really long here. But uh, it's been really good talking yep. to you. You're, you're, I mean, you. Hey, you, man, I appreciate you having me on. Sure. I mean, anytime. You, uh, you obviously know your Portland Trailblazers <laughs> way more than, like, I know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spend a fair amount of time with these guys, especially buried in the numbers, the uh, the gifts of, of Synergy Sports Tech. And, and I don't know if it's a gift or a blessing or a curse, but so many numbers after a long enough time, it'll just make you grumpy. Yeah, or your brain mush. I don't know. Numbers are not my friends. We're both. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan, listen, plug your stuff one more time and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Trailing Blazers podcast at Trailing Blazers on Almighty Baller Podcast Network on Blazers Edge as a featured writer there. Um, on Twitter at D Marang, it's M A R A N G. Um, follow me, like me, subscribe, do all the kinds of cool stuff. Got questions about trailblazers or NBA stuff, CBA stuff, analytics. Hit me up anytime. Always glad to talk that, talk about any and all of it. Awesome, man. Thanks again so much for coming on. And I like you. So there you go. <laughs> hey, there we go. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> no problem. I'll talk to you soon. Later, buddy. Later. All right, there you go, everybody. There was Dan Morang. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, Portland Trailblazers for you in a nutshell. So thanks again, Dan, for coming on, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.